This is part two of Game On. If you missed part one, then catch up on the last episode when we heard about the explosion of the gaming industry in recent years and how gaming experiences differ around the world. In today's episode, we pick up with Kate Russell, who digs a little deeper into the trends around connectivity, community and creativity. discussion this morning we're going to be focusing on the fast emerging esports sector the world of professional gaming is an increasingly important part of the industry with competitors from around the world facing off in landmark events for big cash prizes before the pandemic many of the, these events could of course happen on location but the changes of the last 18 months have seen the sector shift its focus to discuss these issues i'm delighted to be joined by oliver maxfield who is a pro tour mobile and game manager at esl gaming Ella Romanas, who is COO of Fundamentally Games. And with me is Tama Malik, who is an arena manager with our hosts here at Belong, who, of course, are very keen to see the turn, return of Game of Football. Um, well, to start off with, um, I'd like to sort of talk about how the pandemic has altered the landscape of competitive esports. Oliver, lay it on us. Just how big are the e-gaming and esports industries now? Hey, you guys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the panel. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to to uh, overestimate how big um, esports and gaming is right now. So I think there's there's two important factors, right? One is the the opportunity. And I think the second part is is how that opportunity actually translates into into mobile gaming and esports. Right. So there are approximately 4.2 billion smartphone users right now in in uh, in the world. And as, as a subset of that, a derivative of that, 2.7 billion are playing games on one or more device. So um, I, I think you know that that is the opportunity, right, to 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 reach 2.7 billion people who who are playing games, and also on top of that, potentially grow out and reach the the remaining to to make up the 4.2. And I think the second part. The, the crucial part is actually how that translates into, into the real world of esports, right? So I just wanted to give you an idea of, of where mobile gaming and esports has come in the last, let's say, 12 months or so. Um, so in, in July of 2020, four out of the five top uh, tournaments in terms of viewership were all mobile titles, right? Mobile Legends, PUBG Mobile, Arena of Valor, and, and Free Fire, of course. Um, and even just this past May, the, the, the Free Fire Singapore Championship saw over 5.4 million peak concurrent viewers. So I think that really highlights the, the, both the opportunity in terms of mobile gaming, but also the, the size and, and the viewership that we're seeing. Now, mobile gaming and mobile esports isn't something that is, you know, uh, on the sidelines. It's actually the main event now, which I'm which super happy to see. Oliver, do you think the sort of the world, both the you know financial world and people who might be sponsors or supporters, but also you know parents whose kids might be interested in in going into professional gaming, do you think the world takes gaming as a as a sport seriously enough yet? Is that beginning to shift? I, I think I think the simple answer to that question is is yes. I think I will caveat that by saying I don't think it matters what. Uh, people's people think it will be it's it's ultimately it's here it's here to stay 
It's growing exponentially and it's giving millions of people the opportunity, as, as we say in ESL and is one of our, our, our pillars, to go from zero to hero. So to go from couch to stage to play for, for hundreds of thousands of dollars. So uh, I think, yes, people are warming to it, I think. But I, I don't think that really matters at the end of the day. It, it's, it's here and, and it's only going to grow. We're going to do it with or without your help, right? Exactly. <laughs> Tama, I mean, here at Belong, obviously, you guys must have been impacted a lot by uh, the pandemic, for obvious reasons. Um, but what do arenas like this bring to the public that they perhaps can't get at home? So I think, obviously, lockdown's shown us how much gaming can like really bring us together, and it gave us an opportunity to do those like kind of teamwork and activities. Um, I think one of the great things about Belong, though, is we've set up an infrastructure for grassroots esports. So people that are looking to be part of a team, whether they think, you know, we get people walking in all the time thinking they're not good enough to be part of a team and we show them that actually you might potentially, you you are and you can come down and play. Um, but I also think that although gaming online is great with gaming other people, I think coming in and um, playing as part of a team that you do see in person, whether you're playing against other people that you can't see is such a unique experience. And being able to like, when you get a win or whether it's a loss, like being able to celebrate or, or work on things and talk to each other you know, face to face is something that we do offer here. And uh, we have arenas all through uh, up and down the UK um, that provide that that uh, competitive esports experience where, you know, you can play for Sutton like we are here um, against uh, another London team or even uh, a team up in Scotland, for example. And when you talk about the experience, is this, you know, is there a comparison that can be, can be made with football, with real football, like Premier League? If, if, if you know, if ESL's the Premier League, yeah. what are the people who play here? Um, I, I, I really do. I, I think we have a lot of games that have come out. I think Fortnite's a good example of something that's so accessible and so easy to watch by a lot of people. Um, I do really believe that there is something uh, coming that will be on that level, um, a game that is so accessible that I think even people that wouldn't consider themselves gamers would be interested in watching. Um, I do think we have a few of those games already, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see something in the next couple of years that is so uh, popular and accessible that kind of everyone would be watching it the same way you watch the Euros uh, on the weekend. Um, would be a similar kind of environment that we'd watch something like that. Oh, you had to mention it. <laughs> Sorry to bring up. Oh, oh dear. No, it's a touchy subject. <laughs> Ella, how about you? What are your thoughts, um, you know, on what you've heard already from the, from the two chaps? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, from the sort of game developer side of things, you know, games are now bigger than films and music combined. You know, obviously, uh, games has been growing year on year. Uh, but particularly during the pandemic, um, I think from from the development point of view, you know, making games designed for esports um, is a is a different way of looking at games. But in particular, watching games has become a key part of this. So obviously, we're making games that people want to play competitively uh, and professionally, but also we're making games that are good to watch as well as play, and that creates different challenges and opportunities. Um, but it's really cause a dramatic shift uh, in the way that we think about the games that we create. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about the games that I like watching um, people play, and it's the games that give you ways to view the game action beyond just, you know, sort of looking through a traditional screen. Um, what do you think are the, the sort of like the, the key things that you think about as a developer when you start looking at um, developing a game? Is it audience? Is it players or is it something else entirely? Yeah, I mean, it's audience, but it's, it, it's not now just the people who are going to play, it's the people who are going to watch and also how they're going to play in the environment. So we look a lot at what we call mode of use. 
So that's everything from the device where you're going to be when playing, also to lifestyle fit. So are you going to be playing this on a bus on the way to work? Well, probably not anymore. But, you know, um, or are you going to be playing this uh, in an arena watched by thousands of people? So the, the environment and the context in which your audience is going to play is as important as the audience themselves. Absolutely. Um, Tama, here at Belong, you've obviously, um, you know, made adjustments um, through the pandemic. We can see that there are people who are, you know, able to come here and game. What do, does Belong offer to ease the frustrations of home gaming? Yeah, I think we were completely uh, blown away since reopening how many people were eager to get back in. Um, I think if you look at the UK in general, I think even domestic and at home still don't have access to super fast, reliable internet. And that is something that as long as the top end hardware, we do offer a really, really stable connection, a really fast connection, um, especially for like some of the gamers behind me. When we talk about latency, you know, your connection to other players when playing competitive gaming, you know, what's considered good latency and bad latency could be within the milliseconds. Um, and that's really, really important to gamers. And that is something that we do offer. It's like really, really low latency and, and the technology as well in order to play competitively that they might not have at home. And most people say, I don't know if anybody at home has had this experience too. You know, you're playing a game and it can actually, your connectivity can change throughout an hour session, depending on who else in the house is on Wi-Fi or, you know, who else in the street is streaming things up or down. Um, Oliver, how can you ensure a level playing field for your gamers when it does seem like the infrastructure is, you know, it's so variable? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think there's two parts to this. I think one is the, uh, the, the connectivity and the technology part. And I think the second part is the, you know, the competitive integrity, right? And I think on, on, on the first part, what we've been doing, um, we've been focusing a lot on, on mobile, mobile gaming and esports. So the, the way that we see it is, is, is more of a, that's more of a democratization of esports, right? Now it's, it's available to everyone. Um, and it's really about, um, you know, I think countries like the UK to to kind of lead the way in terms of technology and connectivity to bring, you know, for instance, 5G uh, and the story of, of low latency gaming, but also, you know, playing games, chatting and streaming all from one device. Right. I think that's a, a future that we can all look forward to. So I think that's the that's the first part, right? Giving everyone the opportunity to to participate in in esports, to go from couch to stage, and to earn you know thousands of thousands of dollars. I think that's that's super important. Something that which really did not exist even as uh, you know uh, 2017, 2018. This is really when this phenomenon started to 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 to, to start. I think the second part is right, like from a competitive integrity standpoint. Um, we really work with our, uh, with our tech teams to make sure that we have the, the best technology to make sure that, um, one, the tournaments are played on, on low latency two that there is no, um, cheating or ringing going on. And three, we'll of course work with our publisher partners to, 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 to ensure both those things as well. So yeah, that would be my kind of two pronged answer to that question. Ella, obviously, we heard from Donald earlier about how um, games producers are working really hard to try and figure out, you know, the load and what data needs and needs not be sent to try and improve connectivity issues. Um, but what do game developers need, do you think, to really break barriers and start innovating for the next generation of gamers? 
Sure. I mean, like Donald said earlier, you know, games are now mostly what we call either kind of living games or games as a service, um, by which we mean they're services rather than products. So they're run from the server with content, updates, player actions, uh, often in real time being sent to and from the device and the server, um, as well as many games now using cloud streaming services like Xbox Game Pass and so on. So, you know, we're relying on internet connections, not only being fast, but also being stable. Um, and it's actually really important to note that this doesn't just apply to games used in esports with huge audiences and player numbers. It also it applies to all types of games. So, for example, Candy Crush, you know, that, that game operates from the server as well. Um, you know, developers can already use the combination of device and server to create amazing experiences for audiences. That's kind of been one of the you know, main drivers to the growth of the industry. But the current infrastructure is an issue. Um, you know, it inhibits the development and distribution of you know, new groundbreaking experiences. Um, it's also particularly frustrating for day-to-day -day for teams like us who work remotely. Uh, that presents challenges for us on a daily basis. Um, and it really risks undermining where UK developers have to date been world leading. Do you think the people who can sort of like change infrastructure, you know, wherever you feel like the, 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 the responsibility lies, do you think that there is enough being done? Do you think they're working enough with games companies? Do you, do you speak with them? No, I don't. And I, I personally feel that there, there should be more done. Um, I think that, you know, games being as big as it is, um, you know, perhaps, you know, there needs to be more done to look at how, you know, we can facilitate industries such as this, which not only audiences love, but is also a great place for careers and for talent growth within within the UK. Uh, so there's so many positive things that games bring to the country. Um, that you know, really, we should be engaging more, and you know, I think more of a focus needs to be put on how uh, industries such as ours can be supported. And of course, feeding the pipeline with great talent by taking it more seriously at the educational um, stage as well. Um, okay, I'm going to ask all of you now. Um, this is sort of you know future gazing, but where do you see the future of gaming going? And I'm going to start Tamu with you, if I may. Um, as I said earlier, I do really think it will be something that everyone does get involved in. Um, I don't think it will be just exclusive to whatever the current stereotype is. I think there will be games that will come out that will invite everyone along. Um, I do see a world in which is where we're, you know, all playing from home, but also, you know, meet people meeting up playing as teams, um, as Oliver quite rightly touched on, that sort of couch to stage uh, gaming, where it's really about encouraging people that you can be a part of a team no matter what level you're at um, because I do think that that kind of competitive gaming experience that you get um, is, is really, really unique. Mm, and it's real. I mean, it really does bring people together in ways that if you're not a gamer, you, you wouldn't necessarily expect, I think. Ella, what do you think? Where, where is the future of the gaming industry lying? So, you know, for me, games often leads uh, in innovation within technology because, you know, as an industry, we use technology, art, psychology, narrative to create unique experiences. But it's not just about, you know, experiences that people can play together. It also, you know, provides new ways and can create new ways to learn uh, and to communicate uh, and grow talent in the UK in general. So I think, you know, from my point of view, I'm really excited to see what innovation the, the games industry can bring not just to games but also to social experiences and um, we've seen that the positive effect that games has had 
on people's well-being during the pandemic and particularly how it provided a way to socialize uh, when other means were obviously not available that all obviously existed before the pandemic but you know we've seen how it has become more mainstream and i really hope that uh, we can have the tools, infrastructure and support to kind of further reduce barriers to entry and make games as accessible as possible to everybody to play and to watch. I couldn't agree more. Oliver, how about you? Future of gaming, what would you like to see sort of gaming evolve into in the future? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, I think as an industry, we sometimes tend to, to focus on the cherries and I think we should be more celebrating and focusing on, on on you know baking the cake first we need the cake and then we can add the cherries on top so just to echo the sentiments of of the other panelists right we, we need better technology we need better connectivity we need better support we need less stigma uh, we need to have more opportunity right we need to 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 have more tournaments more broadcasts better better tools um more geographies bringing gaming uh to, to everyone uh and esports everyone around the world um yeah so i i would again echo i think the the sentiments of the other panelists there oliver when we when we talk about um sort of inclusion diversity uh you know sort of the community aspect of gaming what role do you think especially because esports is you know potentially such a high profile way of gaming I and mean, i know that the audiences are still quite niche but it's growing uh, you know as the sport grows in size um did, what what are esports leagues and um companies like yourself doing to really help promote diversity and inclusion and get more people from different walks of life and different age groups involved in gaming yeah i mean that's it's actually a, a super important topic for us we have um you know internal work groups on diversity and inclusion um and i think what sometimes we we should all focus on is the success stories in 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 uh in gaming and esports around diversity inclusion there are people of all uh, uh race creeds and genders that are, are competing in esports and we just need to do a better better uh, job of storytelling we need to focus on those people uh, you know build content around them show them on broadcasts celebrate them um and i think you know it, through, through that, um, it will be, you know, a natural progression where, you know, we'll have more and more people um, participating across uh, all of our tournaments. So anyone, Oliver, who's watching, who thinks that they might sort of you know, try their hand at esports, what would, what would be their route to, to finding out if, if they're right for it? I, th I think everyone's right for it. Um, I mean, in three months, you can go from just through you know ESL Mobile Open, which is our grassroots level tournament, you can go from just playing with a few friends uh, as a bit of fun to going on to playing an ESL Mobile Challenge, challenge which is a product we we uh, released this year, which is you know, tech, taking your gameplay to the next level and competing for for thousands of dollars. And then looking into the next year, we're also looking to potentially uh, add on top of that in ESL Mobile Masters, which is a little teaser going to be a mobile mega event right so this is a clear progression right you can go from an open tournament that is really open to anyone through to a, a, a mid-tier tournament into challenge and then into masters into into mega event and you can be you know the stars on the stage you see at iem katowice and esl1 cologne brilliant and tamar i'm guessing if 
people haven't got the right connection at home to be able to do that, they can just pop down to yeah, <laughs> their local arena. Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit of a, uh, it's meant to be a warm, safe environment as well for them to come down and, and, mm. and do that in maybe where um, at home, maybe there a lot of people experience difficulties in which that might hinder their experience, you know, whether it's like, you know, maybe parents or siblings that bother them 24 seven, if you get interrupted in a game, especially something that, uh, at a competitive level, it can be really frustrating. So. Yeah. And are you seeing this sort of diversity of, of people coming in and joining in these sessions? Is Absolutely, it beginning yeah. to change? Yeah, yeah, we see all walks of life. Um, one of my favorite customers is an old gentleman. He comes in, he plays um, like a Star Wars online game constantly. But we have all walks of life that come in and all different types of games. And we try and facilitate that as best as we can. Yeah, I, I strongly believe that it's actually going to be the retirement home activity um, of the generation yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. not too long from now um, final thought then really quickly I'm going to give you a 30 second thought Ella what's the most important thing if you want people watching this to to, to take away from the conversation I think that gaming is um, a really positive uh, activity particularly on the social side and I think that you know exploring if you haven't already exploring games uh, and, and finding out you know what they can bring to your life in terms of social, but also, uh, you know, in terms of learning and communication. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, we want games to be as accessible as possible to everybody. And if you're in charge of the infrastructure, get with the programme, basically. Oliver, exactly. Oliver, how about you? Final thought? Yeah, I think um, just just get involved, right? Um, this is an opportunity for everyone. I, I think everyone on this is on this panel is an example of, of someone who is, um, uh, you know, gone from playing in their bedroom competing or just with friends and, and, and moving on to, to to having a career in the games industry so i think there's plenty of opportunities out there um and it's it's our responsibility as a as the gaming industry to 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 you know display those opportunities and to increase those opportunities but they are available for those that are um you know looking for them perfect thank you so much and of course Final word in the studio, Tamma, very quickly. Final thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I would love to just stress uh, similar echoing that sentiment that I wish, for example, when I was younger, that it was made more apparent that these kind of careers were available. We're not just talking about games development or, um, you know, infrastructure work and networking. I think there are so many uh, jobs relating to gaming, you know, even to the guys that are, you know, here to filming today is, is something that isn't necessarily gaming uh, specific, but it's in that world. And I really do want to say that no matter what your interests are, there is a place for you in the industry. Brilliant. What a lovely thought to end on. And of course, if you've got any thoughts that you want to add to the mix, use the hashtag. Um, your final thoughts, please, on social media. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, that brings us to the end of a fascinating morning of contributions from across the games industry. For now, though, I would like to thank you all for watching and for joining us this morning and our superb contributors for their thoughts. It's clear that this sector is a substantial success story for the UK and the opportunities are there for the games industry to continue to thrive. The brains, the passion and the know-how are already present in the UK, so the future will likely be determined by external factors. So, I ask my question again, are we ready for that kind of opportunity and growth? Do we understand the games industry as it grows old from within? And are we ready to support it with the talent, training, and crucially, the infrastructure it needs to keep winning? I hope so, because as a gamer, I kind of like winning. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Goodbye. Wow.
well. So there's just so much to unpack there. Kate, were there any surprises for you? I think not surprises, but I, it was more sort of how obvious it seems to everybody that we need to concentrate on establishing the right education infrastructure and also in some ways marketing outreach about gaming and the gaming industry and you know this this is something that I've been banging on about for ages I hate it when I speak to parents and they, they're worried about their child getting involved in gaming because they think it's such an aggressive and, and hateful area or, or they don't see that it's a, a viable career option so they want them to you know go off and be a doctor or a, an accountant or whatever but actually there's a, a f so much opportunity um, and although it wasn't a surprise to hear how we're sort of teetering on the edge now um, of having the facilities that we need to keep growing, um, the UK, especially going forwards as a, you know, sort of a, an island <laughs> on its own, we really need to start focusing on the games industry as a viable and serious part of our economy from the policymakers to the parents. And I think for me, that's what really came across strongly from all of our speakers, that we need to keep feeding the pipeline and make sure that they've got the right resources available to them um, so that we can keep winning at gaming. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more with what you said then. I'm sure we can go on for hours, but one thing is for sure, gaming is all things creativity, community and connectivity. So I just want to say a final thanks again to all of our guest speakers. I've had a blast for now. Please excuse me as I hop onto one of these game stations. See you next time.